0: Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796 2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. This is really happening, everybody. We're really doing this. Looks like Aaron Rodgers is actually going to play on Sunday. I know we've been talking about it all week long. And I keep waiting for almost like a hand coming down from heaven. Somebody to come down from one of those high penthouse type offices in 1265 Lombardi at Lambeau Field and say, Aaron, you will not be playing the rest of the season. Somebody to come down and just put an end to this. And it hasn't hasn't happened yet. It looks like he's actually going to play now starting, playing, playing the full game, playing both games, I know that's a conversation and, and a topic that's going to evolve and change as the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks move on as we start to draw near and near to the 2018 regular season, and for the Green Bay Packers, the end of the season as a whole, but it looks like Aaron Rodgers is still going to play, and, and we inch closer to Sunday's matchup with the New York Jets, which it's kind of becoming trending and popular to to refer to these final two games as meaningless, right, and I fell into that trap this week as well. I kind of want to get away from that because I think a game is only as meaningless as you make it, right? Just, yeah, I know they're out of the postseason. I know they're not going to make the postseason and these games have no postseason implications. But if this was a meaningless game and the start, therefore, for Aaron Rodgers and some of these other older more expensive contracted players are also meaningless. Then why are we talking about them? We're not dumb, right? I'm not dumb. You, listeners, you're not dumb. You know, you have many shows to listen to. You could be listening to music. You could be, you could be listening to a podcast or an audio book, but yet here we are. We're talking about it. So there is some meaning to this game. I know it's not related to the postseason. It could be related to the draft or related to injuries or evaluations of players moving forward. So from now on, and I want you to hold me to, uh, to this as well. I'm, I'm going to try to not refer to these games as meaningless because I don't think it's accurate. Now, these games in the grand scheme of things, of trying to win championships, of course, that's not the only metric of how to value and measure a football team. In terms of winning championships, yeah, the rest of the season is meaningless. And I think because of that, a lot of people want to see Aaron Rodgers sit. And that's fine. And that's what I want to continue the conversation with here. To start off the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good evening. Starting to get excited for the weekend and and as we look towards Christmas as well. The Packers have a matchup with the New York Jets noon on Sunday, and uh, the the injury report came out earlier today. I don't know if there were a lot of surprises. Kenny Clark is out with that elbow injury. Randall Cobb is doubtful, which has got to be frustrating for Randall Cobb. Injured his hamstring early in the year. Tried to come back and play on it. Injured it again. Comes back against the Bears. I think shows to Packers fans and to to trained eyeballs who are watching, of which uh, I consider all of us and all of our listeners trained eyes when it comes to watching the Green Bay Packers. We can see the impact that Randall Cobb has on the field. There's some comfort uh, with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. uh, And there's almost a security blanket factor. Although Randall Cobb isn't a tight end or or your typical security blanket type of player, I think a security blanket is, is different for every quarterback. I think there is a certain security that Randall Cobb provides to Aaron Rodgers, whether it being good route running, being on the same page as we love to talk about. I hate talking about it. And when a play breaks down, every once in a blue moon, when a play breaks down and Aaron Rodgers jailbreaks the pocket, now what? Scramble drill type of situation. Randall Cobb has always been one of the better players in that Packers wide receiving core when it comes to that. And I think there is a good amount of a security blanket factor in Randall Cobb's play in a frustrating season, especially in a contract year, as he's set to hit free agency next year. Now, maybe Cobb's poor play has been good for the Packers, as it boosts the likelihood that he'll be back wearing green and gold next year. But I don't know how how much stock I would put into that. Randall Cobb looks doubtful. I can't imagine that he'll play. Questionable is uh, Jake Kumaro, although I think he'll probably play. He was a full participant on Friday, which, of course, is an approximation, right? Uh, because the Packers don't practice on Friday. Out as well is uh, Will Red- Redmond, the quarterback. Uh, I don't know how much we need to talk about that. Uh, as is doubtful, Jason Spriggs with a concussion. Which has got to be frustrating. <laughs> the, the the offensive lined up. As poor as it may be. You got to have it. Uh, and Jason Spriggs uh, looks to be doubtful. Probably out as well. Brian Bulaga uh, looks like he's going to play. With that knee injury. He was a, a full participant. Quote unquote, A full participant yesterday. Limited both Wednesday and Thursday. He practiced at least every day of the week. Uh, one of the few instances in the few weeks. And stretches of practices the Packers have had this year. With both uh, Brian Bulaga and... And David Bakhtiari, they're starting tackles, practicing in some form or fashion together throughout the week. So you got to like where you're going in terms of your tackles. Hopefully Jason Spriggs isn't needed and he can rest that concussion. And Brian Bulaga doesn't re-aggravate an injury or get nicked up and call Jason Spriggs into action. Whether it would be to close the game, play a quarter, play a couple snaps, who knows. Uh, and that's your injury report. Jamal Williams had, does have an injured toe, but he is ready to start. And he will be the only running back on this Packers roster to ever carry the ball for the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Aaron Jones going on injured reserve. Obviously, Ty Montgomery is out. So they welcome in a new waiver wire claim. uh, Capri Bibbs, or I should say, an undrafted free agent type of thing. Or not undrafted, but... Uh, a street-free agent, I should say, Capri Bibbs. And I want to talk about him for a couple reasons, coming up at 5.30. Now, we've all seen him run. He was part of those Super Bowl teams in Denver, even if it wasn't in a starting role. He was in Washington earlier this year. A really cool story. Uh, The piece was actually written by Wes Hodkowitz for Packers.com. He's one of the staff writers there for the actual Packers organization, writing a really cool story on Capri Bibbs. And I know as much as the word meaningless has been thrown around regarding the last two games of this Packers season... This is one of those feel-good stories, something that transcends football a little bit, past the X's and O's and the chalk talk, but a story about a person and about a player in the situation that's going on right now, and it's pretty cool, and I'm excited, and uh, I'm really pleased to be able to share that with you coming up at 5.30. Uh, when we come back after a short break here in a couple of minutes, I, I do want to keep the conversation rolling. 608-796-2558. I put a Twitter poll up on our WKTY Twitter page, at WKTY. I also retweeted it on my account, at Uh We have a good amount of votes, and, I, and I'm excited to look over those results and share them with you. If you haven't, voted on it. Go do it. It's about your expectations and the possibilities for this Packers team coming up. The poll is, what would you like to see the Packers do this weekend in New York? One game. That's all we're asking about. Do you want to see the Packers win, or do you want to see the Packers lose? I was actually very surprised with the results, and we're going to talk about that coming up next. I'd also love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. Where do we stand as Packer fans these final two weeks? I'm not going to use the word meaningless, or at least I'm not going to try to, because I do think there's a lot of meaning. Postseason? No. But a lot of meaning and a lot of things to be decided and figured out here in the two final weeks. And how, as Packer fans, are we going to approach that? I'd love to hear from you on the 5 Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Looking forward to that as well. We just ran down the injury report. If you're just tuning in here to the Wisco Sports Show, Kenny Clark is out. Will Will Redmond is out as well. A little bit of cornerback depth. Jason Spriggs is doubtful with a concussion, as is Randall Cobb, also with a concussion. Jake Kumero is questionable, but right tackle Brian Bulaga and Jamal Williams both look good to go. So there's your injury report. A little bit surprised of all the players uh, to be ready to go on injury. Brian Bulaga was not at the top of my list, and it feels like another Another season as Packer fans, I know we get frustrated with injury, another season as Packer fans where the strength, the preseason strength of this team seems to become the weakness. Uh, you think back to 2014 when that secondary, or I should say 2015, when that secondary looked ready to go. Loved what we saw Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins their rookie years. And they were both smoked with injury. And before you knew it, you were starting guys you'd never heard of in the secondary. 2015, you thought you had a tremendous wide receiving core. How many guys were the Packers going to keep? They might keep seven wide receivers. And all of a sudden, you're in the playoffs, throwing to Jeff Janis and Jared abra Strengths, preseason strengths becoming weakness. And I, I feel like we see that once again this year. When we were talking in the preseason about this Packers team, I thought, man, oh man. The Packers... Uh, defensive line is going to be mean and lean and one of the best in football. Mike Daniels, who I love, one of my favorite Packers, Muhammad Wilkerson, who was brought in on that one year deal, Kenny Clark, who I think is a budding superstar, and I still think so. And I do think Dean Lowry is actually a pretty good rotational player. I don't think you ever want to have to rely on him in a starting role where he's called on to do a whole lot, but I think he's really shown his salt and his worth as a player here in the last couple of weeks. And heck, Tyler Lancaster hasn't looked bad either. I thought the kid has made a lot of plays, but a preseason strength becoming a weakness. Wide receivers, I think the same thing. We thought very highly of these wide receivers, although we had some question marks. We loved Devontae Adams, loved Randall Cobb, loved Jeronimo Allison, and loved Jimmy Graham. Four guys who you love in the passing game preseason is a lot more than some teams can say, and then whatever you get out of your wide receivers, the rookies, is just icing on the cake. While Randall Cobb has been hurt, Jeronimo Allison is on injured reserve, and Jimmy Graham just hasn't panned out to the level that we thought. Now, I think I attribute that to a little bit of how they're using him in the system that's being played, and I think he can take a jump and and be a more valuable piece of the, of the franchise moving forward. But a preseason strength. Or so we thought. Turned into an injury. And now the offensive line as well. I love this Packers offensive line. When it's healthy. When it gets injured. It gets really dicey. I love Bakhtiari. I love Brian Bulaga. I think they're great tackles. Especially David Bakhtiari. Brian Bulaga has obviously been plagued by injuries. I love Corey Lindsley. I think he's been one of the best centers in football this year. Lane Taylor's good. He's not an A plus tackle. But he's certainly not an F or a D. And I'll take that. Now right guard. Excuse me. Uh, when I'm referring to Lane Taylor. Right guard. That's another question. They're going to have to figure that out. And the right side of that offensive line is has become a puzzle. And a weakness of which we thought would originally be a strength. Wide receivers, D-line, O-line, things that we thought were going to be the stronger positions on this Packers team this year turned into weaknesses by injury. And that's been a theme the last couple of years. Whether it's been the secondary, the safeties, the wide receivers, it hasn't matter. Injuries always seem to strike in position groups that are particularly deep, turning a, a, a strength into a weakness as frustrating as that has seemed for Green Bay Packers fans continuing this year. 608-796-2558. There's your injury report if you want to talk uh, the the upcoming games, the two games on the horizon for the Green Bay Packers, both for the New York Jets And the Detroit Lions. I would love to have that conversation. Coming up next, we're really going to dig into the Jets game and what we want to see, including uh, the the results of our Twitter poll as well. Wkty on Twitter. If you haven't found it at Wkty, go get a vote. We'll talk about it next. Your thoughts as well. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on Wkty. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Let's go, Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard, tuning in, hanging out. I appreciate it. Hope you're having a good night. We're talking Packers football as we approach the New York Jets game on Sunday. Not calling it meaningless. There's a lot of meaning in this game. Yeah, I know it's not leading to the postseason, but there's a lot to be talked about and a lot to be decided. And you must agree with that sentiment, or else you wouldn't be listening right now. be tuning into some Christmas music, maybe listening to an audiobook or a podcast, or one of our sister stations. But you're not, you're here. So you understand that there's meaning in this game and there's things to be talked about, uh, and a lot of fun things, not just about the, the lack of the Packers postseason birth, but coming up at 530 in about 10 minutes, I want to talk about one of the newest Packers acquisitions, specifically a running back and his backstory. Uh, it's not very often that we get to talk about a player on a personal level and some personal experiences. Uh, and it was really cool. Wes Hodkowitz wrote a piece about their latest, uh, their newest running back, Capri Bibbs. In his childhood growing up a Packer fan in Chicago. So I want to share some details. It's a really cool story. And I'm excited to talk about that coming up in 10 minutes. Right now, I want to get into our Twitter poll. uh, And some discussion from you fine listeners as well. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line. Share your thoughts. Do you want to see the Packers win? You know what? I'm going to come out. I'm going to ask it point blank. Do you want to see the Packers win on Sunday? Or are you secretly deep down hoping that they lose? Or are you taking it one step further? And are you going to actively root against your team The Packers on Sunday. Are you going to actively root for them to lose in New York? Now on our Twitter account. At WKTY. If you don't follow us. Get over there. Do so. uh, I posted and I asked. What do you want to see the Packers do in New York this Sunday? Win or lose? 38% say win. 62% lose. I was actually pretty excited. Or not excited. I was pretty surprised. When I saw these results, I thought it would be about 50-50, maybe a little bit more win. It is overwhelmingly the case that Packers fans want to see their team lose. And it it finds us in this really interesting situation as Packers fans, right? We, We are going to be actively tuning in, and we want to see success. We want to see Aaron Rodgers look better. We want to see their players stay healthy. We want to see their rookie wide receivers maybe take a couple of strides maybe Jair Alexander flash a little bit and give us even more reassurance that some of these draft picks are going to pan out in the future. That's what we're looking for. But at the same time, we want to see them lose, right? And that's tough. Because we don't want this Packers team to look like an absolute dumpster fire because if every position looks awful and every phase of the game looks awful, who cares who they, how high their draft pick is? Who cares who they hire as a head coach? This team's hopeless moving forward for the next couple of years, right? So we fall somewhere in the middle of we want to see some good, we want to see some bad but we want it to turn out as a loss. It's a really interesting paradox and really interesting situation. If you haven't followed us or voted on the poll at Twitter, go do so at WKTY. I also retweeted it at Grant, which is my personal account. You can find a lot of the show's material on there as well. I'll tell you my scenario and I'll tell you my stance on this. And if you want to share on the five-star telecom talking text line, you are more than welcome. And I'd love to hear you. This is where I sit. Okay. Two games left. The Packers have been eliminated from postseason contention. Now, all of the focus now becomes on the offseason and becomes on next season. How fast they can rebuild through the draft and, and maybe supplement through free agency as well and how do they attract the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Well, when it comes down to uh, these final two games, win or lose, I think there's a couple things you want to see. Now, I'm with you and 65% of our listeners say they want to see the Packers lose. I think it would be more advantageous for the Packers to lose these final two games. I do. Now, how they look in losing those final two games, I, I, that's a different discussion. But here's my situation. I'm going to sit down on Sunday afternoon to watch the Packers, just like you all are, and I'm going to cheer for them to win. I'm going to actively cheer for the Packers to win. I want to see their offense take steps in the right direction, including Aaron Rodgers, maybe becoming a little bit more connected with some of his rookie-wide receivers, or Jake Kumerow, who's not a rookie, or uh, a guy like Jimmy Graham, who isn't a rookie, but it's his first year in the team, first year in the offense, make some strides and show flashes and show promise for next year moving into the offseason, that that money sunk into Jimmy Graham wasn't a complete and total bust. I want to see that. I also kind of want to see the Packers lose because I want a high draft pick. How many times the last couple of years have I had to watch the Packers draft and know that the player that they really want, that they really need, is just out of reach? Even through trading up. Last year, I looked at that draft and I said, the Packers need Denzel Ward. He's the guy. Who, by the way, I believe is a pro bowler. I didn't look at the AFC rosters as much. I think he might have been a Pro Bowler. One of the best, uh, if not a Pro Bowler, has been statistically and consistently rated as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, not just in the AFC, especially in his class of rookies. Has been rated near the top. And in the draft, I said, okay, so the Packers sit at 14, I believe it was last year. I thought Denzel Ward would probably go in or around the top five. Now, I didn't expect the Browns to take him at number four. I thought he might fall between five maybe 8, somewhere around there, and I thought, man, where the Packers sit at 14, just out of reach, even if they wanted to trade up, and it would take a good amount to get from 14 to 6, or to 7, or 4 or 5, where he was, took anyways, right, it would take a lot of draft capital to move up that far, and the Packers, as much as they need a good cornerback, need a lot of other things as well, and I knew that was an unrealistic expectation to have, that the Packers could get a player like Denzel Ward, who is who they really needed, I'm sick and tired of watching the Packers sit just out of striking distance of getting a playmaker. Now, I do agree and I do understand that in the NFL, it is much different than the NBA. You can get a quality starter. You can get a pro bowler. You can get an a Hall of Fame type talent, not only anywhere in the draft, but at 25, you get one at 15. Now, it's more likely to get one in the top five. Don't get me wrong. But you're not screwed if you're not picking in the top 10. That being said, I have watched for years now the Packers pick just a few picks behind, a few, a few spots behind the position where the difference maker that they needed was taken. And look, the Packers have had some bad luck in drafts too. You, you took A.J. Hawkett, whatever it was, in a, as a top 10 pick, and he wasn't the player you thought he was going to be. He was a fine player for a while. And then B.J. Raji, they took him high, and he retires at age 30. And it's been a while since the Packers have been able to supplement their team with that much talent. Now, I'm not saying that just because the Packers go 0-2 these final weeks and they move up a little bit in draft position, they're going to get a player who makes a real difference. Because that's not necessarily the case. But I'm sick of watching the Packers pick just a small handful of spots away from the difference maker they really need. Like last year, I thought it was Denzel Ward. It just wasn't really an option. Even if they wanted to trade up, they weren't getting to five or four where Denzel was taken. It just wasn't an option. So as a Packers fan, I'm going to actively cheer for Aaron Rodgers and this Packers team to win and to show flashes and to show the ability to win some games going into next year and leave us with some optimism, which will probably make it a little bit easier to attract a head coach, coordinators, you know, free agents to come play in Green Bay when there was a little bit of flash of promise in the final weeks. But if they lose, but if they lose, I'm going to say, well, I guess there's the silver lining, right? The silver lining is that the Packers have probably improved their draft stock. Cheer for them to win, But on the off chance that they lose on Sunday, and I think that chance is uh, not out of the realm of possibility, that we have that to fall back on, right? That we can say, all right, well, I guess their draft position gets better, and we can move on with our week, and it won't be the end of the world. And that's kind of my take on it. I don't know about you. 65% of you on our Twitter poll say you'd rather see the Packers lose. I don't know how that affects how you feel and how you actively root while watching the game on Sunday. But I think it's a good litmus test on, on where exactly Packers fandom feels right now. Uh, we do have a little bit of action on the five-star telecom talking text line. Joe in lacrosse, as always, chimes in, says, makes no sense to play Rodgers. He blows out his knee now. He's missing most of next season. Shouldn't even be a discussion. Well, Joe, I, look, in a perfect world, I understand that makes sense. And and to say it, to be dismissive and say it shouldn't be a discussion, I think is a little silly. Uh, that's what sports radio is about, my friend. That's why we're all here, is to have discussions like this. On one hand, I think it is, could be a very simple decision to say, hey, we're going to shut Rodgers down. In the meantime, we're going to accomplish a couple things, both getting our backups some run and some experience in case they're called into action next year. Kaiser or Boyle or whoever, I think it's Deshaun Kaiser, but Tim Boyle's also on the roster, I guess. You accomplish that, and you lessen the chance that you're going to win some of these games moving forward, thus improving your draft stock. The problem is, Joe, and the reason why this is a discussion, is you could say that about I don't know, 60% of the NFL games that the Packers have played this year, that with six or seven re- minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, the, the odds of the Packers winning a game that they were trailing in were slim to none. So by that logic and by that reasoning, why don't we, every week, if the Packers fall down by 10 points, okay, pull Rodgers. If they're up by 10 points, okay, pull Rodgers. I mean, he's a quarterback on an NFL team. He plays professional football. You can't wrap him in bubble wrap. And I understand the 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 sentiment and the the idea that sitting Rodgers in these final two weeks would be the best decision. In fact, Joe, I kind of agree with you. But on the other hand, the optics of the situation matter. Like I said yesterday, Aaron Rodgers understands that he's not exactly the most popular player in the NFL right now, especially with some of his former coaches and colleagues. But to say that it shouldn't be a discussion, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the most nuanced and the most uh, perspective-filled way to look at things. Jeff says, good chance to build rapport in connection with rookie-wide receivers worth some risk of injury IMO. I'm assuming you mean in my opinion, Jeff. And look, that is a... It's a multifaceted issue we're talking about here, and that is definitely one piece of the puzzle. The problem is, Jeff, look, it's a 17-week NFL season, including that bye week. There's training camp, there's preseason, and now there's the offseason. If Aaron Rodgers... If the reason that Aaron Rodgers can't connect with his rookie wide receivers is through lack of time, then there's an issue. And it's an issue that cannot be solved by simply saying, all right, we're going to play our quarterback two more games. You know, I I just if Aaron Rodgers isn't able to connect with his rookie wide receivers through lack of effort or lack of time and experience, well, that's on him. Because there's plenty of times there's 365 days in a year. There's 17 NFL weeks. Two of them are part of a bye. Practices all week long in between games. I, I just don't fall into that trap of... The only reason that Aaron Rodgers and these wide receivers haven't been able to mesh is because they haven't had the opportunity. And I know that's popular sentiment due to the lack of Rodgers' tendency to to sit out the preseason. But but I would be I would be careful to fall into that logic because I think there's more factors at play, including parts parts of the coaching staff and the system, uh, and just the way things are, are transpiring in Green Bay right now. I don't think it's through lack of playing time or lack of experience between the two parties, if you understand what I'm saying, Jeff. Thanks for chiming in on the five-star telecom Talking text line. You can keep that action going if you so desire at 608-796-2558. When we come back, I want to talk about a little feel-good story uh, regarding the Green Bay Packers. Don't uh, don't worry, we're, we're going to get to some Milwaukee Brewers talk coming up at about 545-550, some moves being made around the NL Central, including by the Brewers. In comparison, though, a little less flashy and a little bit less aggressive. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We'll talk about that coming up at 550. But first, one more Packers uh thing to check off our list, and that is a really cool story regarding their latest running back pickup named Capri Bibbs and his childhood of being a Green Bay Packer fan. Really cool story by Wes Hodkowitz, and I want to share some details with you. Coming up next, you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show with me, your host Grant Bills. Keep it right here on WKTY. <laughs> Sports Show here on WKTY, both at 580 AM and 96.7 FM. You can always stream live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Some breaking news, Domingo Santana looks like he's being traded to Seattle I haven't seen any details uh, in terms of compensation or or details in general, uh, which works out because hopefully we will have those details coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes, and that's when I have some Brewers talk scheduled in the rest of the NL Central, as well as they shift and make some moves and wheel and deal uh, during the hot stove season of the MLB, so perfect. It looks like Domingo Santana is out, but we don't know what the Brewers could be getting in return from Seattle, so we'll talk about that coming up in 10 or 15 minutes. Right now, I want to share a cool story and... This Packers season has been frustrating enough. Uh, and it's it's time for kind of a feel-good story. And this was really cool. I read an article yesterday uh, by Wes Hodkowitz. He's a staff writer for the Packers. So his job, and, and he does it obviously very well with a story like this, is to make the Packers look good, right? He's He's not writing articles to criticize the coaching staff or the players. He is there to... Write stories of entertainment for the Green Bay Packers and Packers.com. Uh, he's on staff for the Green Bay Packers. Uh And this, the the article is titled, Chance to Play for Packers is Dream Come True for Capri Bibbs. Now, maybe some of you saw the article. I actually retweeted it at my account, Keystroker Grant. You can see it there if you want to peruse it. Uh, but right now, I just want to share with you some of the details. So, Capri Bibbs, who was drafted in, uh, actually went undrafted, excuse me, uh, back around 2014, 2015, has been around the league for a while now, obviously. Grabbed on, uh, with Denver and was there with Peyton Manning during some of those, uh, those Super Bowl runs. And, and his sense kind of bounced around. He was most recently in Washington before the, the Packers snagged him due to an injury to Aaron Jones and now to kind of supplement that backfield with Jamal Williams. And what's really cool, and I didn't know, and this is part of Wes Hodkowitz's job, right, is to write about things like this, is Capri Bibbs grew up as a Green Bay Packers fan. And as much as we'd love to think that we can and players can compartmentalize their fandom for a sports team and the one that they play for, right? I think we we tend to forget that all of these players, I'm sure, through their love of football at one point in their life, cheered for one team and have fandom for one team and throughout their professional life have had to play for other teams, right? It's not a perfect world. If I wanted to play professional football, I don't just get to go play for the Packers just because I want to, right? Well, Capri Bibbs grew up in Chicago as an uh, as a Green Bay fan. Which is funny enough. And this is the anecdote that Wes Hodkowitz shared in this article. And I'll, I'll read some parts verbatim. And I'll share some parts uh, a little bit differently. Thinking back to 2007. And this is what Capri Bibbs shared uh, with Hoskowitz While the Packers were competing to get to the Super Bowl. Against the New York Giants. right In one of the coldest uh, playoff games ever in NFL history. And it says here in the article. Minus one degree. at kickoff with wind chills nearing 23 below. I would have been around 9 or 10 years old at that time. I think I would have been nine. Maybe I was eight. And I don't remember a lot about that game. But one thing I do remember uh, was the agony and defeat. I remember a big Greg Jennings catch. I remember a Donald Driver catch. I remember Brett Favre's interception. But mostly, I remember Tom Coughlin's face covered in Vaseline on the sideline. And just thinking, God, I hate that guy. Because I was an eight-year-old Packer fan at the time. uh, Who was just here to hate on the Giants and Tom Coughlin after the Green Bay uh, Packers lost. Right? One degree uh, below zero at kickoff. Wind chills. Uh, 20 below or more. Uh, So when Capri Bibbs was uh, back in Chicago, he was 15 years old at the time. uh, He wanted to be part of the action. And this part I I will read verbatim. Bibbs, back home in Chicago, wanted to be part of the action. He wanted to feel what the players felt. So Bibbs did the craziest thing imaginable. Instead of putting on one of his three Brett Favre jerseys, Bibbs, Bibbs turned off the heat in his house, opened the windows, and sat shirtless in front of the living room television. According to Weather Underground, temperature in Chicago on the night of January 20th, 2008 was 6 degrees. Just imagine that for a sec. And this is what Bibbs had to say. I had my whole house mad. I sat in the front room with no t-shirt, just shorts on, and had the whole house freezing in the wintertime. I'm like, right, if the Packers gotta go through it, then I gotta go through it. Just come on with this cold Go Packers. And I thought that was pretty cool. Look, I don't know what signing Capri Bibbs means, but this is part of the, the feel-good story, and this is also a part of sports that I don't think gets talked about enough, which is pretty cool. Uh, Hodkowitz continues. Part superstition, part fanatical passion, there were the lengths Bibbs was, uh, those were the lengths that Bibbs was willing to go for his team he loved at that age. His mom, Stacey Griffin, was raised a Packer fan and passed that love to her child, dressing Bibbs up in Packers coats, hats, and apparel at a young age. Growing up in Chicago, it occasionally complicated Bibbs Mile and a half walk to school every day, but he didn't mind. Holy balls. This kid is tough. And we complain about parents giving their kids like an embarrassing name to get bullied. That's just, that's just a sign on his back. It says, beat me up on my way to school. Especially if he's walking a mile and a half through Chicago. Holy smokes. Uh, and this was the story when Capri Bibbs, who apparently is still a large Packer fan. And this is what Hodkowitz wanted to write about. This was the experience uh that Bibbs shared with his family when being signed by the Packers he, it says Bibbs intended to call his mother to tell her the good news but she beat him to it this is what he said she called me on FaceTime and stared at me for like 10 minutes Bibbs said laughing she just called me and, st- and kept staring at me I kept smirking and she's waiting for me to respond like you can't be serious Green Bay Packers I'm like Green Bay Packers and the whole, st- uh, the whole car started blowing up everybody started going crazy she said that is what you asked for this is the team you always wanted to go to which is pretty cool I think we, like I said, we tend to compartmentalize things, right? We are not professional athletes, so therefore, we get to cheer for our teams, and we assume that the professional athletes that we watched were never a diehard fan of one franchise or another at any time, especially in their childhood. At age 15, or age 10, or at age 8, when I was just sitting there, pissed off at Tom Coughlin's stupid Vaseline face, because I was mad that I thought I was going to go watch the Packers play in the Super Bowl for the first time in my life, and it didn't happen. It didn't turn out to be the case. And I think stories like this are a good reminder that, yeah, these guys are playing football for a living. And they might be playing for Denver, or they might be playing for Washington, as most recently Bibbs was. But he's been a diehard Packer fan his whole life. And obviously that's not the case for every player. I'm sure some players look at it like a paycheck and they show up to work, and they're not as invested as a fan uh, in the actual sport that they play. But a pretty cool story and, and some pretty cool anecdotes. Once again, I tweeted that out at Keystroker grant, you can find that whole story. It's free. It's at Packers.com if you want to find it there as well. Wes is doing a pretty good job. And, uh, well, his job is to write feel-good stories and to uh, prop up. I shouldn't say prop up. That makes it sound horrible. But write stuff like this for the Packers. And it's pretty cool. Uh, Capri Bibbs has also been with the Rams. Uh, in Excuse me. In his lone season with the Rams in college, uh, he rushed for like 1,700 yards and scored 31 touchdowns. He went undrafted then went to Denver, and was part of their Super Bowl team, and then ended up in, uh, in. why am I blanking on it now? Washington, thank you, uh, when Darius Geis and the rest of their backfield was hit with injuries. He said uh, about, his he's excited to play with the Packers, said, quote, I run with a lot of fire, pretty much from uh, where I'm from and how I was raised, south side of Chicago, I was born to get out of the mud. That's what I do. I'm going to grind regardless of the play or regardless of what's going on and give you my full effort. I'm going to give you more than what you ask for. And I know most players would probably say that except for except for maybe Manny Machado, right? Okay, we won't go there. Uh, but what I will say is these final two weeks probably play out pretty well for Capri Bibbs. He gets a two-week audition to maybe be a part of the Packers' backfield going forward as a third-down backer in some auxiliary role outside Aaron Jones and, of course, whatever they decide to do with Jamal Williams. I think these two weeks is a really good opportunity to showcase his talents as well and maybe where his future lies on the on the Green Bay Packers moving forward. These final two weeks, don't say they're meaningless. Never say they're meaningless. Yeah, they don't have postseason ramifications, but they mean a lot for players like Capri Bibbs and Jamal Williams, and even players like Aaron Rodgers. Top to bottom on this roster, and every coach in the building, and every front office exec, and all of us as fans as well. These games aren't meaningless, and that's why we're here to talk about them today, here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, right? Uh, When we come back, we do have to take a quick break. I want to get to some hot stove talk. It's been a while. The Brewers uh, making moves, actually, just about 10 minutes ago, an announcement... And, uh, we, it looks like we're looking at possible pieces of compensation for that trade. Like I said, Domingo Santana looks like he's on his way to Seattle. And now we have, uh, nothing confirmed, but it looks like we have players that. Looks like they're going to be a part of things, right? Nothing is confirmed. It's all tongue-in-cheek, but a couple sources, including Tom Hodrickord, as I look on now, are reporting some of the pieces in this trade. So I'll share that with you, and I also want to talk about the Brewers and the rest of their division in a more holistic sense as we come back, because it's been a busy couple of days, busy couple of weeks for the NL Central, the Cardinals, not so much the Cubs, but now the Reds involved today as well, made a huge blockbuster trade that's going to have ramifications for the rest of the National League as well. Don't go anywhere. The five-star telecom talking text line is open should you want to talk Brewers as well when we come back. 608-796-2558. Share your thoughts, your texts, or your calls. Talking Brewers and MLB Hot Stove. It is the Hot Stove League. That chatter coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. This might be the final segment, but it is by no means the end of the action uh, for Friday night here on WKTY. We have some local action tonight. Drew Kelly will be on the case bringing you on Alaska and Logan. Some boys high school basketball tonight on WKTY. That will get underway at about 7 o'clock. I believe a 7.05 tip-off or 7.10 tip-off. Uh, meanwhile, he will be joining you on the airwaves just after 7 o'clock, so make sure you're tuning in. Those of you who want to hear the Bucks and the Celtics, they will be over on Wisdom tonight. WIZM 92.3 FM. And 14.10 a.m. So you can hear that. A lot of action on the way uh, tonight on wk 2 WKTY. Even after this show concludes here in about 10 minutes. One thing that we absolutely need to talk about. And has become even more pertinent and prominent earlier today. And even more so about 15 minutes ago. Is uh, the MLB. And it's been a while since we've talked Brewers. Uh, with such an exciting uh, wrap up to the Brewers year. The Wisco Sports Show uh, got rolling back in August. And I was blessed and so lucky to be able to. Not cover, but talk about and analyze and have discussions with our fine listeners about that team and all the excitement surrounding it uh, in the last couple of months. And the MLB offseason is called, it's called the Hot Stove League for a reason and typically a lot of moves uh, and a lot of player mobility. More coming through the front offices than the actual players themselves, but... Not only a huge trade going down earlier uh, by one of the Brewers' rivals in the, in the NL Central, but today by the Brewers themselves. So let's start there. About 15 minutes ago, it was announced on Twitter. Well, first it was rumored that the Brewers would be moving on from Domingo Santana and sending him to Seattle. That was first seen uh, as, you know, the initial news. And now it looks like we have uh, a little bit of talk about the compensation. So Corey Brock, who covers the the Mariners for the Athletic, uh tweeted this out, sounds like Ben Gamble and Noah Z- Z- Zavolas are part of the return to Milwaukee for Domingo Santana. Ben Gamble is apparently the younger brother of Matt Gamble, who is maybe the most hyped up prospect I can remember in my lifetime for this Brewers team that just never really worked out, right? So he is to avenge his older brothers never realized potential with the Brewers. Look at it that way. Saw somebody commenting about that on Twitter as well. So hopefully, oh, we'll get more details. Because to be honest, I don't know who Noah Zophilus and Ben Gamal are. I want to know more details. So hopefully we get more of that here in the next 10 minutes or so before we sign off. And I'll pass it along. If not, then so be it. And we'll talk about it next week. Uh, according to Christopher Crawford, writer for uh, NBC Sports and Roto World he says they are defenders that make the spectacular look routine. They are also defenders who make the routine look spectacular. Gamble qualifies as the latter. <laughs> okay. So Gamble is a tryhard on defense. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, but that's about all the information I've seen on Twitter. Uh, and I'll continue to pass along anything I hear about the compensation for Domingo Santana. So it looks like he is on the move earlier on this week, or I should say yesterday, later on in the day. Uh, the Brewers added second baseman Corey Spangenberg from, uh, from, the San Diego Padres. Now, a little bit of background information on Spangenberg. Uh, He was the 10th overall draft pick in 2011. He's a really high pick, first of all. I mean, I I suppose that goes without saying, but made his major league debut in 2014, spent the last few years between AAA and the major leagues in San Diego, and he was designated for assignment in late November to clear a roster spot and was released a few days later, so here we are. In 2018, Spangenberg posted a 235 uh, batting average in 116 games with the Padres. Apparently, he was plagued with a strikeout rate that was just over 32%, which is awful, and seemingly the last thing that the Brewers need. So, the Brewers need infield help, and I know we've talked about Tulewitski, we've talked about DJ LeMayhew, talked about Daniel Murphy at the time. Why Spangenberg? And I'm trying to put myself in the shoes and in the mindset of David Stearns. Why exactly it is that he does what he does, and the moves that he makes, I think there's some themes that can be noticed the last couple of years, And maybe the best way to understand David Stearns is by juxtaposing and comparing him to another young general manager in the state, and that's Brian Gutekunst. I I think we tend to forget, as executives who sign multi-year contracts, general managers are more so focused on the future, and I know we were used to that under Ted Thompson. More so on the future. Yeah, David Stearns, I'm sure, would have loved to win the World Series last year, as Brian Gutekunst probably would have loved to make a run at the Super Bowl this year. But as executives, I think their most important job is to look after the longevity and the well-being of the team and the consistency over the team, uh, say, over the next five years to a decade, depending on how long their contract stretches and how long they plan on being with the team. And I think David Stearns and Brian Gudikins both know that the positions that they are in currently are pretty slick. They both, although Gudekinst has been in football a long time, he this is his first job as a general manager, as it is for David Stearns. Not saying they're unqualified, but if they were a miserable failure as a general manager in their first and second year and were cut loose, it's unlikely that other teams would immediately take a fly around them. For, for example, John Dorsey left Kansas City. He wasn't out there very long, right? Somebody wanted to get a hold of him. Reggie McKenzie, out in Oakland, somebody's going to want to bring him in, whether as a general manager or... As part of a front office staff. If David Stearns went down in flames. And ruined. Financially ruined the Milwaukee Brewers franchise. For the next decade. It doesn't really bode well for his future. And the more that I try to track David Stearns. And figure out his mindset. And what it is he's trying to build. And how he's trying to build this Brewers team. I think he's he's lying in wait. I think he is lying in wait. And I think he's waiting for his opportunity. Waiting for his spot. And I think he's sitting back. Waiting to pounce. And I think we saw a wrinkle of that last winter, right? When he, in a flurry of moves within 24 hours, signed Lorenzo Cain and then traded for Christian Yelich. He was waiting for his spot. He was picking his spot. He's not going to go out and sign Dallas, uh, a player like Dallas Keuchel or Clayton Kershaw every offseason, mostly because he can't, right? But what he can do is sparingly save his dollars and cents and maybe make do with players like Yoli Shasin, or Eric Sogard, or Wade Miley, until he finds what he believes to be the absolute ideal and perfect scenario to go and cash in some of that available money that Mark Adonacio keeps talking about, that it's there and it's available, right? And I think David Stearns is almost like a lion laying in the grass, right? If he lays there, and maybe I'll I'll go too far with this planet Earth type of analogy, but if he lays there long enough and, and remains inactive, saving resources, saving energy, and he waits for the absolute perfect opportunity to pounce. And I'm wondering if we're going to see that this offseason. I'm starting to believe more so that they're not. There are some big, some bigger arms on, on the free agent market still. But with the addition of Corey Spangenberg, this seems kind of like uh, Yoli Shasin or Eric Sogard or an addition of a guy like Curtis Granderson, right? He knows that they'll bring him in for a year, and he is coming in on a one-year deal. Maybe he'll catch fire. Maybe he'll have a great year. And if so, he could be a huge asset to this team. But if not, eh, he's out a year, and he's out, uh, what is it, $1.2 million? Yeah, $1.2 million if he's on the Major League roster, or if he stays in the minors, 250 k And Stearns knows that if Spangenberg doesn't have a breakout year and doesn't perform highly, he's not out a whole hell of a lot. And he can still lie in wait for that prime infielder to appear, or that prime starter to really thrust the Brewers into a contending conversation, although I think they're well on their way. Uh, the interesting wrinkle in all of this is the the division that currently surrounds the Brewers, right? With the Reds, who today, for those of you who didn't see, acquired Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp for a bunch of minor league value and Homer Bailey, which I just thought was hilarious. So the Reds got a whole lot better. We'll see what they do with Scooter Jeanette. The Cardinals have added Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller, that bullpen stud, maybe looking at the Brewers and say, hey, Uh, We can have stars, we can have great starting pitching, but if we don't have the back end to hold it up, of which last year they didn't, we're not going very far. So they had Andrew Miller. Kind of a Josh Hader, although I think Josh Hader was originally compared to Andrew Miller. That middle guy who can come in in the 5th, he can come in in the 8th, he can close a game, he can do a lot of stuff. So the Reds got a lot better. The Cubs haven't really done anything. And the Cardinals, who are always a contending franchise, have gotten better as well. And the Brewers, I think, probably knowing, and David Stearns probably knowing now, that they can't do a whole lot. There's not an an Andrew Miller to go out and get now, right? There's not a Paul Goldschmidt to go out and get. There's not an ace starting pitcher that maybe seems ideal for Stearns right now. See, he's going to lie and wait. And he's going to wait for that perfect opportunity to pounce. And I think maybe we're seeing that with Brian Gutekunst a little bit too. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's an interesting comparison. It's a good way to compare and contrast these two young executives uh, for the Packers and the Brewers. Uh, a little bit more information coming down the line. It looks like, here's from Bob Nightingale. This is about as official as it gets. Brewers trade Domingo Santana to the Mariners for Ben Gamble and Noah Zafolas. I think that's how you say it. Z-A-V-O-L-A-S. Zavolas, Zavolas. So two infielders coming from Seattle. I think, and and this will kind of close my opinion on David Stearns, and this is a conversation that I want to have with all the listeners on the five-star telecom talk and text line, hopefully coming up soon enough. I think that Spangenberg and whoever else they put at second base, whether it's Travis Shaw for a limited time, or maybe, let's say they did go out and get a Daniel Murphy, or they went out and got a Tulewitzki, or LeMahieu, who's still out there. I, they're placeholders to me, because I think the, the goal... Of the Brewers organization is to get Keston here into that starting uh, spot at second base as soon as possible. How they do that. How they manage the roster and manage his minor league maneuvers. And how they maneuver him to the big league club. Now that's something else. But I think that's going to be the long-term goal. Because Keston here can hit the piss out of the baseball. And sorry Spangenberg. But he hit 235 last year and struck out 32% of the times that you stepped to the plate. I just don't think that's the answer they're looking for at second base. And because... He's not the answer. They're only going to pay him 1.2 million, assuming that he remains healthy and in the big leagues the entire year. That's the big if here. Otherwise, it becomes quarter of a million dollars and the, the Brewers aren't out a whole lot of anything. And I think every uh, infielder that the Brewers would have looked at, whether it was Lemayhu or Tulewitzki, all depending on price, of course, is just a placeholder for Keston Hira. And you cannot break the bank for a placeholder. I think that's kind of common sense, right? If you're putting a, a team together and you don't have long-term plans for a guy you're not going to go give them a jillion dollars. That being said, the NL Central is heating up, and, I, and I'm excited to talk about it here in the coming weeks. I, I know next week we, we're going to be short on a little bit of time due to Christmas Eve and Christmas, but I want to make I want to make some time for this hot stove talk and what David Stearns might be looking to do here in the next couple of months, whether it's through a trade or through free agency. I think we saw last year the trend of, of starting pitchers reigning on the market much longer than maybe we would have previously believed or previously seen, right? So what do the Brewers do to address their starting pitching? What do they do to address their infield? Although they added what I believe to be a depth piece and an experiment. They may maybe a placeholder while they wait for Keston here to get to the big leagues and second base Corey Spangenberg. Interesting. Interesting to say the least. Want to talk more about that tomorrow, of course. Or not tomorrow, next week. Excuse me. We will not get an opportunity to talk until after Christmas. So from the bottom of my heart, not to sound corny at all, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas with your friends and family. Uh, Enjoy time away from work and a little bit of relaxation as well. I'm going to try to do the same. Next week when we come back, talking Packers Jets, the Packers future, and a little hot stove talk about the Brewers as well because it's a whole lot of fun and I love it. So have a wonderful uh, Christmas. I cannot wait to talk to you next week.